Blog Talk Radio. Truth Seeker, you are listening to PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. It is the live Internet broadcast on PGN, Prophetic Grace Network. This is Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. I am Nicole, your Book of Revelation research scientist, and today we are analyzing and discussing the New Earth Prophecy in the book of Revelation. If you'd like to follow along using the one-page basic study notes, you can find them at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. The basic study notes are available at blogtalkradio.com forward slash live prophetic. Let's get to it. So what are we talking about? The New Earth Prophecy is documentary number 12 that John the Revelator was shown when he was called up to heaven. The book of Revelation has six parts. It begins with a preface. The preface is narrated by an omniscient narrator. God the Father himself is the narrator for the preface of the book of Revelation. It is found in chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In the preface, we find out that the book of Revelation went from God the Father to Jesus Christ, who then shared it with an angel who subsequently shared with John the Revelator 12 documentaries about soon-coming realities. In the preface, we find out that chain of command with respect to how do we go from the reality of the book of Revelation to it being here for you and I as truth seekers to hear it and read it today. So God the Father has the information. He communicates it to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who then gives an instruction to an angel, which is to share the revelation with John the Revelator. And then John the Revelator faithfully wrote down everything he saw. Now, in the formal introduction for the book of Revelation, we have the words of both Jesus Christ and John the narrator. The book also closes that way with narration from both Jesus Christ and John the Revelator. So after the preface, we have Part 2 of the book of Revelation, which is a formal introduction, verses 8 to the end of chapter, verse 9, I should say, verse 9 to the end of chapter 1, and we find out in the formal introduction that John the Revelator, his part with getting the book of Revelation to us, his part began as he was on the island of Patmos. He had been exiled there. And he has a supernatural visitation from Jesus Christ himself. 
At the end of the formal introduction in chapter 1, Jesus tells them, I want you to do two things, John. Number one, write down the things that are happening. And number two, write down the things that are to come. John follows that instruction. And we see the reality of him following that instruction in parts three, four, and five. Of the book of Revelation So again We have the preface Which reveals how does the book of Revelation Come to pass And exactly uh, What's the point of it And the point of it is to reveal Jesus Christ At the time of his second coming And to document Events that will follow After his second coming We just learned what's in the formal introduction Now, the instruction, how does John follow the instruction provided by Jesus Christ, which, again, included two things, write down the things that are happening and write down the things to come. So we see him completing that assignment in parts three, four, and five of the book of Revelation. And, again, it ends with part six, which is a formal conclusion, where, again, John the Revelator and Jesus Christ are narrating. In part three of the book of Revelation, chapters two and three, John writes down the things that are now happening. Now, it's 2023 today. John the Revelator documented his experiences hundreds of years ago. So the things that were now happening are things that were happening at the time John the Revelator was on this present earth in his mortal body. Now he's in a heavenly body in present heaven, but at that time he was on the present earth the same way that you and I are on this present earth in our mortal bodies. And what was happening at that time is that there were believers, and the believers were a part of seven churches, And as part of his visitation that we find in the formal introduction, Jesus Christ shares words of praise, words of criticism, and promises for those individuals who were on the present earth. In other words, he was talking about what is happening, what was happening with them at that time. So he was talking about what's happening now. And so when you look at part three, the seven letters to seven churches, that's chapters two and three of the book of Revelation. If you look in a red letter Bible, a red letter, red letter Bible, all of those words are in red. A hundred percent of part three of the book of Revelation, the seven letters to seven churches are the verbatim words of Jesus Christ. He was talking about the things that are happening now. He told John the Revelator, write down the things that are happening now. What was happening now? Well, now was then, and then at that time what was happening were the experiences of Christians in those seven churches. And so John followed that instruction, and we see uh, him recording 
what was happening at that time, that was now, again, for us, it's then in chapters 2 and 3. That's part 3 of the book of Revelation. Part 4 of the book of Revelation, John's report on heaven. If you were ever curious about what does heaven look like, read chapter 4 of the book of Revelation. It's John's report on heaven. So this is also John reporting what is happening now. So his experience with the book of Revelation began with him being on this present earth and having a visitation from Jesus Christ. His experience has a second part where he is in present heaven so that he can view the things that will happen in the future. So remember in the preface for the book, Jesus it's reported that Jesus gives an instruction to an angel of the Lord to show John the Revelator the things to come. Well, in order for John the Revelator to see the things to come, he needs to go, apparently, I don't know if he needed to go, but in order for him to see the things to come, he went to heaven. How did it happen? Supernaturally. He was transported to heaven. He hears in chapter 4, he hears the voice of Jesus Christ, and it says, come up here. And he goes up there. Where's there? Present heaven. And he said, there's a door open in heaven. He's in heaven. And he begins to describe the things that he sees. It's like this. If you were going to, let's say you were going on a trip to Zurich. You get on a plane. You arrive in Zurich. You're super excited. You're on the cell phone with us, me and every listener who's listening right now, And you begin to tell us what you see. So that's an actual report of what uh, your eyes are taking in. So part four of the book of Revelation, chapter four, is John's report on heaven. It's literal. It is literal. So part of uh, understanding the book of Revelation from start to finish is knowing where you are in the book of Revelation. And when you know where you are, you're able to make sense of what you are hearing uh, or what you are reading. So when you are looking at chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, you know there is no metaphor here. Uh, This is actually what John saw when he was called up to heaven. And briefly, what did he see? He shares with us that he sees God the Father sitting on the throne, and uh, he describes God the Father as looking... So not as being, but looking brilliant like a gemstone. And then he says, God the Father sitting on the throne and then surrounding his main throne are 24 other thrones upon which 24 elders sit. And they're wearing white robes and gold crowns. Okay, so he sees 25 people up there. Uh, In front of the throne, there's a shiny glass sea and uh, Sound emanating from the throne, uh, thunder. It sounds like thunder. He also says there's what looks like a rainbow uh, emanating from the throne. And then he shares that, uh, last, he shares that 
he sees four living beings and he describes to the best of his ability what they look like. He says one has the face of a human, but he doesn't say that it is a human. Another has, uh, another was like an eagle. One had the face of a lion and another, and he goes on like that. And But all four of these living beings have wings and the wings have eyes about them and they shout and praise the Lord. Um, and so he describes these four living beings. So in total, what we learn is that when he's transported to heaven, he sees God the Father, he sees 24 elders, he sees four living beings, and he's in a room where the throne is, so maybe we can call that the throne room, and he describes the activities of these four living beings. Okay, so that's part of John following Jesus' instruction, which is write down the things that are happening. So that's something that was happening to him uh, at that time. Now, finally we're getting there. Where's there? The New Earth Prophecy, the focus of our analysis and discussion today. Part five of the book of Revelation is its prophecies. Now, I'm going to use some language interchangeably here. Stay with me as I as I share and explain why. After John gives his report on heaven, immediately starting with verse 1 of chapter 5 and going all the way to verse 5 of chapter 22, the vast majority of the book of Revelation, John writes down what he sees, and what he sees is what he was shown by the angel of the Lord. So this is part two of Jesus' instruction to John, which is write down the things to come. And we learned in the preface that the angel of the Lord has been instructed by Jesus Christ to show John the Revelator the things to come. So he sees the things to come. He sees them in heaven. So on May 24th of 2024, I'm going to a movie theater to see Planet of the Apes. John the Revelator went to a heavenly location where he saw moving pictures with sound. But instead of him seeing some kind of fictional movie, he saw a documentary. And then he saw a second documentary. Then he saw a third one. This wasn't a documentary uh, produced by Michael Moore. This is a documentary produced by an omniscient God a documentary about soon-coming future realities. And in the conclusion to the book of Revelation, after the angel has shown John the Revelator all 12 documentaries that he was tasked with showing him, the angel says, after he has shown him all 12 again, John writes down everything he's seen as, he's, uh, as he watched the documentaries, uh, immediately after the angel finishes showing him the documentaries, the angel says this, verse 6. This is the very first verse of the conclusion of the book of Revelation. The angel says, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. Let me say that again. After the angel of the Lord shows John the Revelator 12 documentaries, documentaries created by an omniscient God, Shown to John the Revelator 
following the instruction of Jesus Christ to show John the things to come after the angel follows the instruction of Jesus Christ. And he has now finished showing John the Revelator these documentaries he's tasked with showing him. So uh, they were visions, moving pictures with sound. They were external to John the Revelator. So he didn't lie down in his bed and have a dream. He wasn't standing up and uh, he didn't have a daydream. He didn't have a fantasy that caused him to perceive images. No, he watched an external vision that was created by an omniscient God. The angel was showing it to him in the same way that uh, we go to a theater because they are showing a film that we want to see, moving pictures with sound. So he was shown these movies, but they were movies about soon coming events, realities. So they were actually documentaries. And immediately the angel says to John, after showing him 12 documentaries, quote, this is verse 6 of chapter 22 of the book of Revelation, the angel says, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. So these documentaries were shown to John um, because the angel, the angel of the Lord was sent to show him these documentaries so that we, who, who's we, you and I, those who are in Christ, would know what will happen soon. Okay, now let's go to finding out about the New Earth Prophecy. The New Earth Prophecy is one of three prophecies, one of three documentaries, if you will, in the book of Revelation. You might say, research scientists, why do you use the word documentary and prophecy interchangeably? So John the Revelator watched, an external vision, moving pictures with sound about reality. So in that way, in today's vernacular, it's a documentary. He didn't have the benefit of the technology that we have in 2023. If he had had that, instead of him writing down what he saw in these documentaries, he could simply whip out his cell phone and record it, and then we could watch it today. Since he did not have that technology, he used the best technology that existed at that time, writing utensil and parchment. So he wrote down what he heard and saw. So in that way, what he experienced was documentaries. What we experience, uh, we're, we're reading his report. We're reading his report of the documentaries. So in, in these documentaries there, they reflect prophecies, soon coming realities. So we can use the language documentaries, visions, although I'm, I'm disinclined to use the word visions without saying external visions to himself, but prophecies, external visions, uh, documentaries. Okay, now. We're going to focus on the New Earth documentary in the book of Revelation. That's the New Earth prophecy 
in the book of Revelation. It's the culminating prophecy in the culminating book of the Holy Bible. It's the final documentary that the angel of the Lord showed John the Revelator, and it's the last of three that focus on what is going to happen after Jesus Christ fights and wins the Battle of Armageddon. So in documentary number 10, that's the Millennial Reign documentary, in the Millennial Reign documentary or the Millennial Reign prophecy, we hear about the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ on this present earth. In documentary number 11, the dead judge prophecy, we hear about what happens after the second resurrection. And at the great white throne judgment, where all of the children of Satan, as well as death itself, will be thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death. In documentary number 12, the documentary we're about to hear in just a moment, we will hear what happens after the end of the world. What happens after the end of the world? Now, sometimes people say, well, the world is uh, a world without end, a world without end. But if we look at First Peter chapter 4, let's see what it says there. First Peter chapter 4, Peter says in verse 7, the end of the world is coming soon. Now, what's he talking about? All five of God's enemies are going to be destroyed. In the order of their destruction in chronological time, the Antichrist is going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. The false prophet is going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. Satan is going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. The children of Satan are going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. And finally, death itself will be destroyed by Jesus Christ. When all five enemies of God are destroyed, we are going to transition to a new earth and new heavens. The old earth is wearing out like an old cloak, like an old coat, like an old jacket, like an old suit or an old dress. It's wearing out. And God's going to replace it with a perfected, glorified new earth. After all five of God's enemies are destroyed and the old earth is replaced with the new earth, we are beyond time. We are after the end of the world. So the end of the world comes after all five of God's enemies are destroyed and the old earth is replaced with a new earth. That's the end of the world. 
That's the end of the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What's the beginning? The beginning of time. When is the end of time? The end of time happens after God replaces the old earth with the new earth because at that point we're beyond time. We're in eternity future. We're after the end of the world. We only need time due to the reality of the world. After the end of the world, we don't need time anymore. We're in eternity future. We're in the forever and ever. Now, let's get to it. Jesus Christ has returned, talking about the events documented in the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ has returned. The first resurrection has happened. All who were in Christ have transitioned from a mortal body to an immortal body. Those who were in heaven and in Christ, they have descended from the clouds with Jesus Christ. Their new glorified bodies have risen from the earth. Their spirit and soul put on those new bodies. So everyone in Christ participates in the first resurrection We are with Jesus Christ in the clouds. This is after the great tribulation. Then there's the wrath of God culminating in the battle of Armageddon. Jesus Christ returns to fight and win the battle of Armageddon. That's after the first resurrection. His holy ones return with him as well as the armies of heaven. He fights and wins the battle of Armageddon. He establishes his government on this present earth. He is the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. All nations report to headquarters. Where's that? Jerusalem. Where's Jesus in Jerusalem? Satan's bound in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, what thousand years? The first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ, he's loose for a short while. The mortals who have been deceived by him accompany Satan to Jerusalem. They're mad because they've been disallowed to enter the city. Because once Jesus Christ returns, only those who are in Christ will be permitted to enter Jerusalem. At that point, that's how that will work. We're going to uh, hear that today in a New Earth Prophecy. So, of course, those who are sinners, idolaters, uh, sorcerers, uh, murderers, all those who are disallowed to enter Jerusalem, they're angry. Satan deceives them. They think they're going to take it. They think they're going to take over the world They arrive at the end of the thousand years. They have surrounded Jerusalem. There's no war. There's no battle. Uh, Supernaturally, fire falls from heaven, and it consumes 100% of the armies of Satan. They experience death. Satan is destroyed. Then we have the great white throne judgment. All of Satan's children are destroyed, and death is destroyed. Now, again, we're at the end of the world. What happens now? All of these others, they're in the lake of fire, Gehenna, the Antichrist, the false prophet.
prophet, Satan, the children of Satan, and death itself. Where are you and where am I? Here's where we will be. We will be right here. John the Revelator describes it. Here is the new earth prophecy. This is what happens after the end of the world. This is what happens after the end of the world. All five of God's enemies, five of God's enemies have been destroyed and then here it is, the new earth prophecy reading from Revelation chapter 21. John the Revelator says, "Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God, out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone. Like jasper, as clear as crystal, the city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with twelve precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, 
the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysoprase, the eleventh, jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day, because there is no night there, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. That truth seeker and friend is the new earth prophecy. Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22 verses 1 to 5. You just heard it, the new earth prophecy. And it ended with saying, and they will reign forever and ever. Who is they? All whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. All who die in Christ and who are in Christ at the time of his second coming. So in the book of Matthew, these individuals are referred to as the good fish. They are contrasted with the bad fish that are thrown out, because the good fish are kept. Kept where? Kept so that they will transition to the new earth. Kept back from the lake of fire. Who were who Who are they? It says again, and they will reign forever and ever. In Matthew, they are the sheep. In the word of God, it says, my sheep know my voice, and in others, they won't follow. The sheep are contrasted with the goats. The sheep hear the voice of the Lord. The goats follow the will of Satan. Also, in the book of Matthew, They are referred to as the wheat. At the end of the world, at the end of the age, the wheat is harvested. What does that mean? That means that at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, all who are in Christ will transition from mortality to immortality. In other words, Jesus finally gets his forever family. That's the point of this whole experiment, if you will. That's the point of time. 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God planted a seed. Who's the seed? Jesus Christ. Why? Because he wanted to reap a harvest. What's the harvest? His forever family. So the wheat is harvested. God gets his forever family at the time of the first resurrection. We join him as his bride, his forever family. He's the bridegroom. We are the bride. So in other words, he's with us forever and ever in a marriage. We become members of the royal race. So that's who they are, and they will reign forever and ever. So when we transition from the present earth to the new earth, we're in the forever and ever. Now let us talk about the mark. You need to know that the mark of the beast will soon be available say, well, when research scientists, in the 666 Antichrist prophecy, Revelation chapter 13, it's documented that the mark of the beast will be available during the 42 months, 42 months which are a part of the great, uh, which are the great tribulation. The mark of the beast is a counterfeit mark. What do I mean by that? You want the best of the best, so perhaps you want to buy a fancy handbag or a fancy coat or some fancy shoes. You go to a market, and a seller tells you, oh, yeah, here it is. I have it. You can get it for a good price. You believing the seller, purchase it, and now you're in possession of a counterfeit item. If you take the mark of the beast, which will be available during the Great Tribulation, and you allow the mark of the beast to go either on your left hand or your forehead, then you've been deceived. You've bought from a seller who is Satan, a merchant of Satan. The real mark is described here in Revelation chapter 22. It says, in verse 4, and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Whose name? The name of God. It's described also in Revelation chapter 3. Let's go there. So it's not the name of Satan or the name of the Antichrist. You don't want the mark of the beast. You want the mark of God. So in Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus is uh, sharing promises for the seven churches that existed on the earth at that time, he also refers to uh, the true mark. He says about it in Revelation chapter 3, verse 12, All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God, and they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God. That's the true mark. He says, I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God. What's the city of my God? It says it right here in chapter 3 of Revelation, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. So two names. The name of Jesus Christ, his new name, 
and the name of God the Father. That's the true mark, and it's going to go on our foreheads. Don't buy from Satan's merchant. Don't take the mark of the beast. Wait for the new mark. Wait for the new mark. Don't take the mark of the beast. It's a counterfeit mark. Again, Jesus says, I will write on them the name of my God, and I will also write on them my new name. That's the true mark. That's the mark that you want to take. You don't want to take the mark of the beast. Everyone who takes the mark of the beast is destroyed. Everyone who takes the mark of the beast fails to transition to the new earth. You want to be here with me and with us on the new earth, truth seeker. You might say, well, I'm not sure about that. Let's revisit Revelation chapter 21. Here are all the things. Here are all the benefits. I shouldn't say they're all the benefits. Here are some of the benefits, some of the things that we're going to get on the new earth. It says in Revelation chapter 21, There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Have you ever fantasized, wished, hoped that you could live in a world where there's no more death, where there's no crying, where there's no pain? Friend and truth seeker, God has that same desire. That's a godly desire to want to live in a world where there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. Do you think that God is any less compassionate or loving than you? Surely not. He's more compassionate than you are. He's more loving than you are. So, of course, he desires a reality on the earth where there's no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. And not only does he desire that reality, he has planned for it. And his plan will be executed perfectly and on time and without delay. Now, you can be a part of this new earth, but not if you are a child of Satan. Only those who are children of God will inherit the earth. Those who are children of God will reside where their father resides. We heard in the New Earth Prophecy, God the Father is relocating his home in present heaven to the New Earth, and all of his children will live with him. Satan is being relocated to Gehenna, the lake of fire, and all of his children will live with him. Live with him where? In Gehenna, the lake of fire. There are only two locations for every human being that's ever been created. 
all will participate in either the first resurrection or another resurrection for the purposes of participation in the great white throne judgment. Those who participate in the first resurrection will live with God the Father as his children and members of the royal race on the new earth. Those who participate in another resurrection will live with their father, Satan, in the lake of fire, Gehenna, that's also referred to as the second death. If you are hearing the sound of my voice, that means you still have the opportunity to transition from the losing team to the winning team if you haven't done so yet. God is recruiting. God is recruiting. You must cooperate with God in order to have the rewards of God. It's a reward of God to be permitted to live on the new earth. It's a reward of God to transition from mortality to immortality. You cannot pay your way into immortality. If you could, Steve Jobs would still be alive today. You cannot pay your way into immortality. Only the precious blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient payment for the debt that's owed. The wages of sin is death. That's a law found in the Old Testament. Because all have sinned, we all die. But there's one who never sinned. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, that was illegal. That was illegal. And because he died on the cross, at the hands of those inspired by Satan, that gave God a workaround. A workaround to what, research scientists? A workaround to the problem of death. Since he never sinned, his death was illegal, therefore God could substitute his death for every other person who dies. So he died in your place if you go to mediation. If you go to mediation, Jesus will say, listen, I died on the cross. I'm going to allow my death which was illegal, to be payment for your death, which was legal. And in that way, since that payment has been made, you are able to transition from mortality to immortality because you can no longer be held in the state of death. Now, I said a lot of things there, and I want to make it simple and plain. God's best is for every person to live in a physical, tangible body. The reality of the curse, the reality of the curse is death. Now, how do you get out of death? How do you beat death? How do you live forever? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26 says, And the last enemy he destroys will be death. Who's he? Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ already took back the keys to death in the grave, and he's going to destroy death, 
at the great white throne judgment. Now, you can participate. You can participate in the first resurrection. In other words, you can transition from mortality to immortality in a physical, tangible, peak performance body if you go to mediation. First Timothy says there's only one mediator between man and God, the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. You, you have to have your sin debt paid because otherwise, if your sin debt is not paid, then that means death is legal, and that means that at the end of the world, you're going to go into the lake of fire with death. But you can escape the lake of fire. You can escape the second death if you go to mediation. You can allow Jesus allow Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. So I encourage you to do that, friend and truth seeker. Maybe you've already done it. Maybe you've thought about it, but you haven't had a chance to actually do it. Please, follow Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Those are the steps for mediation. Repent of your sins. Make Jesus Christ Lord of your life. Get baptized for the payment of your sin debt, and then you'll receive then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. Now, my assignment was to share with you the New Earth Prophecy. I've done that. Your assignment is to seek the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Any person who's truly seeking God will ultimately arrive at Jesus Christ. I believe you're listening to the sound of my voice because you're interested in the truth. The truth is God wants you to live forever on the new earth. God wants you to live forever as his son or as his daughter. God wants you to never, ever die. God wants you to always be in health, to have perfect physical health and mental health, and he has a plan for you to receive a second body, a peak performance body, a glorified body. He has a plan for you to live with him on the new earth. And we're going to continue our discussion and analysis of the new earth prophecy on Sunday. And every Sunday and Thursday here on the live Internet broadcast, we'll be talking about the new earth prophecy So I want to invite you and encourage you to be with me and with us as we talk about the New Earth Prophecy. And I also want to encourage you, I want to urge you to make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. The most important thing you'll ever do is to make sure your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You are the decider. You are the decider of whether you will or won't allow yourself to be recruited to the winning team. The winning team is Team Jesus. The losing team is Team Satan. 
by default, you are already on Satan's team. But you can leave that team. You can allow yourself to cooperate with God's plans and purposes for your life. You can allow yourself to be recruited to the winning team so that after the end of the world, you are with me, you are with God, you are with us on this new earth, the new earth to come, the new earth that we heard about today. Now, friend, every prophecy in the book of Revelation is genuine and authentic and true and sure to come to pass. The end of the world is coming. The new earth is coming. Are you going to be on it? If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you will be on it and in it. If your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you'll be disallowed to be on the new earth. You'll be in the lake of fire, Gehenna. So I'm excited. I'm excited to participate in the first resurrection. I'm excited. Excited to rule and reign with Jesus Christ during the millennial reign. I'm excited to be with every truth seeker, every person in Christ, with God the Father, with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, on the new earth to come. I hope that you share my excitement and my enjoyment uh, with discussing this prophecy because on the new earth we will have no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears, no more death. Until Until next time, friend, meditate on the prophecies of the book of Revelation. Meditate on the word of God. And if you haven't done so yet, according to Jeremiah 33, 3, I urge you to call out to God. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know. God bless you.